0: Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Have you put it on an end display? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, have you advertised it? have you have you got a big sign or a small sign saying sale what's the competitors doing yes. in the marketplace and obviously all those things affect it
1: even if they're directionally correct so you know on average publix is more expensive than walmart a lot of times we are just way off on the magnitudes could just offer you half off. But instead we're we're saying no no no, we're holding line on price, but instead you're going to get a second one for free, and that then encourages you to get more of the item.
0: Hi, this is Colin, and I wanted to ask you a favor. It would really help Ryan and I if you could spend a moment and complete a review of the podcast. Positive reviews help us get out to more people and we love hearing from our listeners and seeing what people have written. So please, just take a moment and complete a review. Thanks very much for your help. Ryan,
1: I've got something to admit to you. Oh, good. Okay. Oh, hold on, let, let, me, let me get up my Colin blackmail journal. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> what were you, this is a safe space, Colin. What are you going to admit?
0: I think there's a subject that you know more about than I do. Is it
1: the history of the Lutontown Football Club? <laughs> I've been doing some studying. When did we last win the FA Cup?
0: <laughs> it's a trick question. We've never, never won the FA Cup. See? In fact, we have got to the final in 1958, but lost. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. The area we're going to talk about today, which I, I have to profess I know n- very little about, and I know you know quite a lot about it. And that is the area of pricing and sort of defining a pricing strategy. Okay. Yes. The good news is I'm absolutely going to be coming at this from a layman's perspective. Okay. Clearly, with my customer experience hat on, I can tell you what, what I think of some of these strategies. But if anybody's out there looking to develop a pricing strategy, don't talk to me.
1: Talk to Ryan. <laughs> and and from my perspective, the good thing about this is you'll be in no position to correct me at any point. It doesn't matter how crazy the thing I say is. You got nothing. Listen, that's never stopped me in the past, mate. So
0: it's that's not going to stop that's me in the point. future. Yeah. Me, me neither.
1: Actually.
0: <laughs> so I guess my question is, How do you go about developing a pricing strategy? And obviously, we we talked about this prior to doing the show. There are various different topics or different pricing strategies. I don't even know if you call them strategies, you know, but buy one, get one free, high low pricing, everyday low prices, coupons, subscription versus buying. I think that would be a whole different topic, actually. I think we can talk about that. So if somebody came to you and said, okay, help me develop a pricing strategy, Ryan. How do you go about it and where do all these things apply?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, the first thing I do is I'd say, well, let let me give you Colin Shaw's email because you want to talk to him. (laughs) um, If we think about pricing really broadly, and part of what draws me to pricing as a research topic is uh, that there are multiple approaches that you can take to trying to understand pricing. So you can take a fully rational, fully quantitative approach. Pricing produces a lot of great data that people can look at. And there's a lot of fantastic things you can do with that data. So I'm sure you, you've heard of the the concept of price elasticity, yep. which is this idea that people are sometimes more sensitive to price changes and sometimes less sensitive to price changes. Yep. And so you can take pricing data and purchase data and fairly easily compute elasticities around it. And then now that's a very powerful numerical tool that you can use to guide you in making further price changes. There's this quantitative approach that you can take to pricing. There's also a huge body of work on the psychological impacts of pricing. It's generally known as the behavioral pricing research literature. And that's the area that I work in um, more that's also fascinating. So, and it's not that one of these is right and one of these approaches is wrong. Um, right. they in fact don't conflict that much. This is one of those areas where a lot of the quantitative people look at behavioral pricing findings and start to incorporate those findings into their models. And a lot of the behavioral pricing folks will look at the findings of the models and try to develop theories around that. So it's this, it's this really fun, collaborative, interplay on something that you would think should be so simple like <laughs> prices have been around forever um, sure. we know how they work we all engage with them all the time and yet it's just it is it's a really complex fascinating area so i'm happy we're gonna to get to talk about it today
0: so when they're looking at things like that then obviously just from an extremely basic perspective you can turn around and go we sold x amount at this price and yep. then we reduced the price by 10 and we sold y amount Yep. And therefore that's due to that price in decrease or whatever else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, without, without getting into the, too much of the math of elasticities, essentially, if you, if you look at price reduced by uh, when we reduce price by 5%, it only increased sales by half of a percent, then you might say, well, that's, fairly inelastic demand around price, right? We're changing the price and very little is happening on the sales side. If you decrease the price by 5% and sales increase by 10% or 20%, then you might say, okay, well, that's fairly elastic demand. People are very responsive to pricing changes. You know, you find that out by changing the price and seeing what that does to your demand. A couple of cautions that I always give my students around elasticity, because it's reducible to a number. like You can c- compute the elasticity. That has tremendous rhetorical power. People, people tend to treat numbers as if they're the truth with a capital T and somehow more persuasive or, or more unimpeachable than other types of analysis or, or ways of thinking about it. Elasticities are a very powerful tool. They're great but they're also limited by the data that you have. So um, one thing that my MBA students do sometimes is they'll compute price elasticities for one product and then assume that that number applies to a different target segment, to a different product that's being introduced. And I have to caution them and say, you know, that it's great data to have, but you have to be really careful with how you transport that number across different situations. If you've got a new competitor that comes into the field, that can completely blow up all of the price elasticity data that you have to that point that was computed without that competitor.
0: Yeah, because my mind is immediately going to as you said at the beginning it's far more complicated
1: than that Yes, <laughs> because really my repeatedly saying the word elasticity over and over again didn't simplify it for you? It didn't make it easier? <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, <laughs> but it gave me time to think
0: which I'm very appreciative of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm so it could help. Yeah. As you were talking, I was thinking, yeah, but so you reduced the price, but now have you? And I'm just talking a grocery store here. Have you put it on an end display? Yes. Yeah. You know, yep. have yep. you advertised it? Have you have you got a big sign or a small sign saying sale? What's the competitors doing yes. in the marketplace? And obviously,
1: all those things affect it. Let alone all the psychological stuff all true yeah all true again the beautiful part about pricing is that we do get these numbers out of it like we can compute very and we can have very clean models the downside of it is even the most sophisticated models that we have there's no way we're, we're capturing all the data and so there might be we might not know what competitors are doing or what competitors are doing at different stores that are affecting what we're doing here or kind of what what else is going on Good models will try to incorporate as much of that as they possibly can. I'm always cautious about over-relying on the outputs of a model for that reason. It's better to have it than to not have it, right? It's it's far better to have it. You'll make better decisions. But we shouldn't just like blindly trust it. We shouldn't just apply it without any consideration of exactly those factors you're raising. So if we go back to that
0: well we go back to that list yeah the the trouble is is the the listener doesn't see the list that we've been sharing but let me read it out buy one get one free high low pricing and this is for me from a from a layman's perspective everything just seems to be on a constant sale and as as we've been building yeah. up to this podcast i've been trying to think about these things and look at these things. I was on Amazon the other day and it's $5 off and line stroke through it, and uh, etc. Everyday low price and subscription coupons, logic. so here's my very naive general question to you. When do I use these and where do I use them?
1: Let's start by taking your your list and categorizing it in a couple of different ways to, okay. to give people kind of a structure for thinking about these things. When I think about pricing I think about it at, at two levels. So there's there's the pricing strategy around individual products, right? So we want to move this particular offering. We want this brand of you know bread to sell better this quarter. And so what are we going to do to make that happen? And so for decisions like that, there's a set of strategies and a set of tactics that you can use around that involving what's the regular price? Are you going to discount that price? How often are you going to discount it? Are you going to offer some kind of uh, discounting strategy like couponing as opposed to just reducing the price for everyone? We'll get into more details on on some of those in a minute, but that's one level of thinking about this is is what are we going to do about the price of an individual item or of a category? The other way to think about it and and the way that uh, a lot of my research focuses on is what are the general price impressions that people form of something? I could say Rolls-Royce. And without knowing what model I'm talking about, you have a price image for that brand. Like, you know what the prices of Rolls-Royce are. Yeah. Same I with retail. Because I, I bought one last week, man. Yeah, Can well, exactly. Know? I mean, you just, you go through them like water. And so you're <laughs> familiar with the prices. <laughs> Chance be a fine thing. I, I can't drive that. That's my Thursday Rolls. <laughs> you have to, yeah. It, but, and, and same with retailers, right? So there are grocery stores that you shop in where you have a general impression that the prices there are high or are low. And so that's another set of strategic concerns that a retailer has. You can talk about the, the pricing that you're going to do for any particular item. And then you can also talk about the pricing strategy that you have for the, the brand as a whole or for the store as a whole and the impression you want to give. Now, a lot of decisions you'll make on those two different levels will be consistent, so if you make a lot of the individual prices in your store low or seem low, then the store as a whole will likely seem to have low prices, but they are not always consistent and they can then sometimes run in conflicting directions. So that's what makes it interesting. Does that distinction make sense? No,
0: absolutely. And, and we've talked about on different podcasts, I think you did a paper, didn't you, on um, the difference between pricing of something from Walmart and pricing of yep. something from Whole Foods. Yep, And therefore, that whole perception, whereas actually them it may not be the case. In fact, I was doing some shopping on the Publix app the other day. Mm -hmm.
1: Publix is a a grocery store in the the southeast uh, and relatively high price, high quality, high service grocery store. I was ordering on the
0: app because I don't know why, but doing the shopping in our household is down to me. My wife used to go to the shop, but then I said, no, why don't we get everything delivered? And she went, that's a good idea. You can do it. Te-
1: technology <laughs> is your your realm. Yeah. Boy, yeah, did you screw that very up. True.
0: Yeah. It's very true. The interesting bit was because they are quite high priced, mm-hmm. I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to download the Walmart app as well. And I started to then look between the two things to, to compare pricing. And you know what surprised me? Yeah. Was that actually on a lot of the items, there wasn't a big price difference. Yeah, I was really quite surprised. I, I thought I'd end up getting like a third of the shopping from uh, from Walmart, but I didn't because actually it just either wasn't worth it for a few cents, or or the fact that the pricing was similar. Some things yes. they were bloody cheaper, I have yep. to say, and therefore
1: I ordered loads of them. No, this is this is exactly the thing that I look at in my research, and and one of the things that's so interesting to me is that we we form these impressions. And a lot of times, even if they're directionally correct, so you know, on average, Publix is more expensive than Walmart. A lot of times, we are just way off on the magnitudes. I um, I use a quote that I found in a, a newspaper once, where they were interviewing some lady about the opening of a Trader Joe's in her neighborhood. Yeah. it was just one of these like kind of neighborhood, you know, newspaper stories that are you excited about this new grocery store that's coming? And Trader Joe's has a reputation for low prices. And she said, oh, I'm so excited by this. I I typically shop at Whole Foods, which has a reputation for high prices. And she said, after this new grocery store is going to open, I'm going to be saving hundreds of dollars a month on my grocery shopping. And I'm like, lady, there is no way. Sure. (laughs) Unless you were monthly buying groceries for a football team, there's no way you are going to be saving anywhere close to that amount of money. It feels right. It feels like it should be. And so that's that's part of what i'm interested in my research
0: what is your digital or physical experience like from a customer perspective what should you change how do you compare against your competition whether you're a small medium or large size organization why not let me or one of the team review your digital or physical experience by undertaking what we call an experience health check in this short and affordable engagement we will act as a customer. And if that's not practical, we will talk to your customers and we will assess your experience against best practice. We will then provide you with a series of actionable recommendations for change. If you're interested in finding out more, just go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash healthcheck. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash healthcheck so when you go back to these specifics and let's try and get specific yes why would i use buy one get one free
1: i know this is the third time you've tried to ask me to get specific about (laughs) this problem i keep putting (laughs) on. part of this distinction between the like the kind of the high level impressions and the and the more specific strategies it allows us to subdivide your list so if you're interested in kind of a store level or brand level strategy approach then some of the things that you mentioned, high-low pricing, everyday low pricing, constant sales and stuff, those are designed to manage this kind of store level or brand level impressions. Right. Buy one, get one free, couponing. These are, are much more at kind of that granular level, at the, yes. the level of the individual. Yes. So now that I've put you off six times, let's yes. actually answer your question. What the
0: listener is witnessing now is the difference between academia and business,
1: practical business, I just want the answer. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you there's a richer universe out there, Colin, <laughs> yes. than just, quote, answers to your, and, quote, questions. Yes, <laughs> And you're right, but just tell me the answer. <laughs> <laughs> this is why no. we, we record these podcasts from separate states or separate countries. <laughs> it's to prevent Colin from throttling me in the middle of... <laughs>
0: No, but I know um, yeah. you're right, mate. It, it, it is more difficult than than just going and here's the answer because yeah. there were so many other factors that come into this. So
1: yeah, but um, at the end of the day, you need to do something, um, and I sure. appreciate that. So uh, so let's talk about some of these. So one general principle in pricing is most often. For most stuff, people don't have great reference prices. So there's exceptions to that. So if you drive a lot, you may know exactly how much a gallon of gasoline is going for these days, right? Or if you, yeah. you know if you buy a lot of gallon of milk very regularly, or if there's, you know, if you're really a car guy and so you spend a lot of time looking at cars, even if you don't buy them frequently, you may know exactly how much, you know, a 2021 Mustang is going for. But that's the exception. And so if we know that going in then a lot of the things that we can do to make a more attractive price are giving people reference prices that make the price look more attractive. So you know you mentioned always seeing prices struck out on Amazon or other places uh, and replaced with a new price. What they're doing with that is they're giving you a reference price. Right. You're looking at some lamp for your desk. You don't know how much a lamp should go for in particular right. that, that kind of lamp. But if you know that it used to be $35.99, and now they're going to sell it to you for $32.99, now they're giving you a way to evaluate. Yeah, so that must be anchoring as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're going to give you a reference point. You're going to anchor on that. And then now you're going to evaluate that. And this is one of the most replicated research on pricing, is that if you give people a reference price, they're going to use it and will evaluate your price more favorably.
0: I'm thinking about it, and I haven't seen this recently, but they used to always have recommended retail price, Yes, which is obviously the the same thing. It's the anchor, but
1: they don't seem to have that anymore. Maybe I've just not observed it. It depends on on what it is. You'll still find it a lot. It's usually not prominent. You see it a lot in bookstores, if if anybody still goes to physical bookstores. Uh, Most publishers will have a recommended price on that, which the bookstore can then price at or below interestingly in the us the law is such that the manufacturer cannot by law set the retail price that is up to the retailer okay which is why it is a suggested retail price right so the retailer can choose to sell for that price or above or below and legally the manufacturer can't do anything about it except refuse to sell through that retailer anymore right if a manufacturer does that it sets a, a reference price it also limits what the retailer might be able to do. Maybe the retailer wants to sell it for more than your recommended price. So not every manufacturer will do that, but some will. Sure. You'll also see a lot of um, shelf talkers, like the tags on the shelves that say, like, compare at, and then now I'm telling you what the price is supposed to be at other stores. That also gives you a reference price. So a lot of these tactics will be involved in some way in giving people a reference price to evaluate.
0: And some think they do a lot more in the States than they do in the UK, is comparisons with other competitors.
1: Yeah, there may also be legal reasons for that. It may just also be cultural. So in some countries, it it is illegal to reference your competition directly in your advertising or uh, displays. Um, In the US, it's not not always a good idea to do it, but you can mention your competitor by name.
0: So let me go back to my question for the sixth time. All right now you're just getting pushy. <laughs> so buy one get one free. Yeah. That's one that's always sort of fascinated me because it's clearly got to do with not excess demand but must be to do with operational reasons and and stuff like that as well in other words you know you've got an excess of things but the other day again I just to get practical I bought some Canada dry mm-hmm. yeah Uh, drink which I I like and it was buy two get two free yep so I ended up buying that now I'm not going to (laughs) drink I'm probably going to have that there for six months it did attract me to buying it but you're buying it in such quantities and you yeah what's your thoughts on that
1: yeah no I had a similar experience where I I bought a one steak sauce and it was buy one get one free I realized as I was buying it it's probably taken me the last 18 years to get through one bottle of a one steak sauce. Like I, I just it will now, see
0: you through to retirement.
1: It will. Yeah. This, this will be, this will be the bottle of a one steak sauce that I'm buried with because there will still be some in there. Uh, it, no, it's, it's a very good point. So one rule of pricing we just mentioned is give people reference prices. Another is to obscure comparisons and buy one, get one free works for a number of reasons. But one of them is that, If you're making direct comparisons between one two-liter bottle of Canada Dry and one two-liter bottle of Schweppes, which is another ginger ale brand, you can compare those prices pretty easily. But if we make the math a little harder, well, now you can get twice this amount for the same price, but it's not just for one more, it's for two more. You can still do the math, but now it involves several additional steps. And so... And making the, the math harder can make people just not want to bother to make the comparisons. So uh, mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons that buy one get one's free works is that we're now like removing the direct comparison option or at least making it more difficult. The other reason is the one that you raised, which is it promotes stockpiling. We could just offer you half off, right? Mathematically, that works out the same. But instead, we're, we're saying, no, 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 we're holding line on price, but instead, you're going to get a second one for free. And that then encourages you to get more of the item. And a sale today is generally worth more to a, a manufacturer and a retailer than a sale tomorrow. So if we can get you to pull forward that that demand and buy all those at the same time, then um, that's good for us.
0: But I guess it also applies a bit of pressure because you've got so many of them. You, you now think, oh, I have a drink. I better drink one of these cans of
1: Canada dry because I've got fifty million of them. It absolutely does that. So this is a, a phenomenon known as as rationing, and the idea is, and this is very very common, where if you have a lot of something, you tend to use it quickly. So when you when you buy a ten pack of paper towels and you just open that up, you are now like rich in the ways of paper towels, and you'll be like spinning off half a roll to clean up a small spill. And then when you get down to your last half a roll, now you're like tearing off a corner. People use the first half of a shampoo bottle faster than they do the second half. People consume the first half of a beverage faster than they do the second half. So if they can encourage you to have more of the thing on hand, then just naturally as a human being, you will consume it faster and then therefore be in a position to buy it again quicker.
0: You know what? Because you've, you've managed to sort of um, not answer my question for six times. I beg your pardon, I did answer <laughs> your question finally. Well, eventually, yeah. I, I think this is a topic we're going to return to because this I'm finding very interesting. Okay. Which is highly unusual to find one of our own podcasts interesting. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to return to this. Um, because I'm not going to let you off the hook. We've still got
1: some of these to go through. Your goal was to talk about pricing. My goal was to teach you patience. (laughs) I'm just, I'm trying to make you a better person. (laughs) Thank you very much.
0: You're welcome. So, use your question at the end of this. Maybe you could just answer it once this time, you know? First time I ask you. (laughs) So, so
1: what's the practical advice? What does this mean people should go away and do? I'll give two bits of practical advice. One is to recognize that there are these multiple pricing goals that people can have. So, is your pricing goal to move this one particular item, or service is that what you're trying to do you're trying to sell this one thing well there's a set of pricing strategies that work for that or is your goal to create a price impression for the brand overall or for the the retailer the store overall know what you're trying to do as you're setting price you can set prices at the individual level in a way that works really well but that then blows up your price image strategy at the higher level and vice versa so Know what your goals are, know what's important to you, and and know what you're managing. That's one bit of advice. The second one, the, the, like the big single piece of advice I can give you for managing individual prices is know those reference points. Know what it is your customers are comparing your price to. Oftentimes, we assume it is our competitor's price. Sometimes it is. But sometimes they're comparing our price to a price in a completely different category because that was their last experience. Sometimes they're comparing it to what they... Purchased it for last time. You know, I have a friend who who insists that's a lot of the reason for sticker shock. If the last time you bought a refrigerator was 10 years ago and you remember what you paid for at that time, you're going to be shocked when you go back to buy refrigerators now because now they're all computers. What is it that they're your customers are going to compare your price to? Can you influence those reference points? Can you give them other reference points to use, compare ads or markdowns, that kind of thing? But know what those reference points are and influence them. That's the, the second big piece of advice I can give.
0: Good, thank you. The only piece of advice I I would give people is what I've taken out of this podcast is that it is complicated and it's not as simple as everybody thinks it is. And you really have to, to sort of pay some attention to it. And the exciting bit for me is, from a learning perspective just for me on pricing, is just trying to understand all the different variables that go into that. And it's no surprise that they have some organizations have whole parts of their company to do with pricing and work all this stuff out it's a really involved area thank you very much for listening we hope that's been of use if you've got any suggestions any feedback any comments on what we should be doing for the future then please reach out to us at contact at beyond philosophy.com that's contact at beyond philosophy.com thanks very much for listening cheers Just as a reminder, please could you complete a review of the show and that would really help us. Thanks very much. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton, but it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com/podcast find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.